Hello there. This is Wale Olulano, the presiding apostle of Harmony Christian Ministries. I'm happy that you can join us today in our podcast. I pray today's message will encourage, edify, and illuminate your heart, wherever your circumstances may be. Please relax and enjoy. Isaiah 58, we'll read from 11 to 12. The Bible says, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Verse 12 says, Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the bridge, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Amen. Earlier on, we saw a little clip from the queen. Her speech at the 75th celebration of the D-Day. Some words she used, which are very important, which is the reason why I have highlighted that video to prepare our mind for this message today. The queen said to us that some things must be revived. This thing speaks of capacity. And this is a capacity that built this nation, that made Great Britain great. She said to us that our wartime generation was resilient. That they had courage, they had endurance. And beyond that, she said they had unconquerable resolve. And she said these things must be revived again. Now, these attributes that were displayed by the fathers of the past birthed the society we live in, birthed the nation we have inherited. Without those things, and in fact, these were fathers that in their time they were younger than many of us here. Many of these people were like 17 year old as they faced war and they looked at death in the face. Whenever I have opportunity to watch the clip of that of the Normandy landing and you see the people were dying on the right, dying on the left and bullets were firing past their ears and they carried their gear with them. Their colleagues that they just spoke with a few minutes ago dropping dead in the water. They didn't run back, they ran forward. The history tells us. These people didn't give up. They fought for what we are inheriting today. Now, this same spirit is what birthed the church. When we look at the early church, the apostles and the prophets and, and the fathers of the old, what birthed the church which we all have today is the same spirit of tenacity, of endurance, of resilience. And these are the things that were demonstrated in their time. And we find God that it has not disappeared because as a church, we also can testify that by the grace of God, we enjoy that too. We still do enjoy that. A group of people who are courageous, who are saying to themselves, we can do this thing. We might not be many, but we can do it. That is what birthed every family you see here. Amen. Our God is a God of continuity. He's not a God of once upon a time. He's a God that was. He's a God that is. And he's a God that is to come. Continuity on its own is not just sufficient, as important as it is. It depends on what we are continuing, friends. It depends on how we are continuing it. It depends on how we are reviving the continuity. Always evolving, always making the continuity to look like brand new, like something special. Something that has the capacity on its own to carry to the new generation. For example, when we talk about future leaders... We said they are future leaders. We have already prophesied into their future. We didn't say they are future failures. 
That's why we believe that none of our young ones will fail. They will be great and mighty in their time. Our young ones in this house will be Daniels like Daniels, like Joseph's in their days. They will speak to the enemy at the gates. They will speak and things will change. They will build the cities and build the marketplace. They will carry forth the word of God into their generation. They are future leaders. They are not future weaklings. They will not run back in the day of the battle. As they are being equipped in the house of the Lord, they will stand from strength to strength. They will increase in stature and increase in status. They are future leaders. The Bible tells us in Psalm 145 verse 4, it says, one generation shall praise your works to another generation and they shall declare your mighty works so that the generations, as God is increasing us, they will not say, ah, the time of my father's things were really better. No, it will not be so. As we say it is better, it will get better and better. What is good today will get better tomorrow in the name of Jesus. Why? If we're going to have this continuity, it must be paid for. The reason why the light in your house is not yet disconnected, why there's continued electricity, is because you are paying for it. So everything you see is paid for. Everything we enjoy is paid for. The real truth is there is nothing really, really free. Now you might not be the one paying for it, but somebody paid for it. The liberty we are talking about, that's why we have the D-Day. That's why we forever celebrate these heroes. Because they paid for the democracy and the peace that we enjoy. Now, you don't say because it's paid for, I've got nothing to do. You don't say because it's paid for, I can just live free now. Enjoy freely. It's not so. Even though it's paid for, you have your role to play. Now, if you are not paying, it means you are using. Your salvation was paid for. That's why God is asking you, after I have bought back your life, your life is mine. So you serve the Lord with your life. The key to continuity is knowing fully well that I cannot be using now and expect to have later. The life you have now is supposed to be invested into the future. That is why fathers must pay for the price of the future generation. If you don't pay now, if you don't do what you should do now, if you don't build a strong structure now, the next generation are going to have to pay for it. There is no shortcut in enlarged parental capacity. There is no shortcut. No such thing as accidental Sussex. No. We have to prepare ourselves. We have to work for it. We have to get into it. You can't blame your poor parental capacity to misfortune. You can't blame it to races. You can't blame it to witches. You can't blame it to somebody else. You have to understand that you have a role to play. You cannot blame this to anybody else or anything else. We have to put in self-discipline in preparing a future. Self-discipline actually makes our habit our slave rather than make our habit our master. Because without self-discipline, we can't prepare. There can be no continuity. Now, similarly, young people must listen to this. You must understand something about this. That even after it has been prepared, after a future has been prepared, after a structure has been prepared, when we talk about continuity, and we talk about preparing for a future, the Bible says this about future leaders. Proverbs 30 verse 11. It says there is a generation that causes its father and does not bless his mother. May we not be that generation. He said there is a generation 
that is pure in his own eyes, yet it's not washed from its filthiness. And that's the point. Pure in his own eyes. A generation that says, no, dad, mom, don't tell me anything. I know what I'm doing. I don't need to study. I know what I'm going to do. I don't need to walk. I walk when I'm ready. That's a generation that is pure in his own eyes. Don't tell me not to go out with that person. I know what I'm doing. You must understand that what you can see is standing up. Those who have gone ahead of you can see it sitting down. There is a generation, the Bible says, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted. Now, the problem with that generation is that every structure that is put in place, they have no regard for it. Do you know that today is the yesterday you spoke of? Equally, there's going to be a time that you think, oh, I'm young now, I'm young now. You're going to be the leaders of that time. So this is the time to be the fathers of the future, to prepare. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, if indeed you continue in the faith, my prayer is that the good things you have received, you will continue in it. There's a big if there. If you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and you are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, you are not moved away. Now you might be moved away from a country. You might be moved away from your parents' house. You might be moved away from the job you were doing. But do not be moved away from the gospel which you have heard. Because you are in uni does not make it to move away from the gospel. Don't say, well, when I'm back home, I'll resume my Christianity. There can't be continuity if you are not steadfast. Steadfast, rooted, immovable. He said, this was preached to you by every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, became a minister. God, my friends, God is particular about capacity of fathers to affect the next generation. He's so particular about continuity. The ability to influence the next generation is knowing how loud we can shout at our children. It's really how well, how deep, how wide the fathers can impact them and leave behind a compact for their future. And as I talk about fathers, remember I always say this on days like this, I always celebrate those who are single mothers too, who are doing the work of fathers by themselves. Because many of those people did not choose that line. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, 5 to 7, the Bible said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This was which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Let me just pause. God is saying this thing needs to be really entrenched in you. My friends, if you're going to be a father of continuity, a person that will impact something to the next generation, you must believe in it yourself. It must be in you, not occasionally in you. The children know when you're not really sold into it something. They know when you're just paying lip service. They know how committed you are to your football games. They know how much you plan for it, how much you think forward about it, how much you look forward. They, so they know how, oh, Sunday, oh, yeah, today is Sunday. Oh. So they watch you. They watch how you occasionally remember to put God in activities. So now, when they have seen that in you, you can't tell them to make that God the central focus of their life. Because they will say, Dad, that's not even the same with you. That's why the scripture tells us that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul. With all your strength. 
He now says to you, begin to teach them. Now look at the next thing I want to say. In 1 Samuel 3.13, God said about prophet Eli. He said, this is my problem with Eli. I am wiping him out. I am removing him. Why? Because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. You see, many fathers want to restrain when they have not really instilled. He said, I need you to understand that the thing does not begin from restraining. Before he gets to the point of you shouting, boy, not in my house. What is this one? Ah, you're not going to do this. Girl, not in this place. He said, have you taught them? You must sit down first. You must teach them first. You must guide them through this. And then you now have the capacity to restrain. There are a few things I put together to help us on how we can demonstrate our capacity as fathers. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want us to please open to that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 from 1 to 10. I might not be able to go through everything. The first verse, it says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. The first way to demonstrate my parental capacity is to have understanding of my prophetic preparation for those who I am leading. When I came to you, it was not in vain. Don't make any moments. Try your best to always make key points, key moments of life, not to be in vain. We might pray we're going to live long and that's great. But no matter how long we live, we're not going to live forever. Some of us might want to give anything to be able to spend some time with our parents that have gone, but they've gone. But you know something that has not gone? The things they taught us. And some of you, your parents are still here, and I bless God for that. But while you are away from them, what keeps on going with you is the voice. What never parts is know fully well that they didn't come to you in vain. Don't make vanity the focus of your relationship with your children. I tell people that you put money together, you travel to the ends of the world, you go on holiday, that's good. But to do what? That's what is important. Life must be full of lessons. Let them know. Why did you choose that particular one and you didn't choose the other one? Let them know. Why did you have to tip that person? Let them know the value of true service. Let them know the things that you prioritize in your life. Listen, children will still make their own mistakes. But it will not be because you failed to train them. It will be great if we can nurture them and keep them in a safe box. And deliver them to life. No, no, no. They will seem do their own mistakes. But because you have committed them into the hands of God, he was able to keep them from falling. Prophetic preparation. Fathers, we have the responsibility to ensure that we don't come to them in vain. Number two. It says, but even after we had suffered, before we were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. I love this scripture. He said we had suffered. And what's my point here? In other words, against all odds, don't let life knock out your boldness and your confidence in God to preach the gospel to your children. Things will happen to anybody, any father. And you're afraid and you're thinking, well, I lost my job. Or for those who have lost the marriage and broken home, don't let what happened to you knock out your confidence. 
Paul, in this story, he said, before I came to you, actually, I had a bad time. I suffered. I was mistreated. I was spitefully treated. I mean, it looked like a shame that your hero was coming back home with his tails in his leg. But I want you to know that though it happened there, but my boldness in the Lord is still strong. You might not be rich, you might not have all the money in the world, but you prepare your children to know that when they call upon God, He is the God of all sorts. He will make a way for them. He is able to do it exceedingly, abundantly. This is very important. Paul said, this is my role in coming to you. Fathers must understand this is our role. Parents must understand this is where we stand. Number three. It says in verse 3, it said, For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanliness, nor from deceit. Friends, error and deception will only produce terror. There is a scripture we read today in Jeremiah chapter 5 or 6. He said, There is an evil amongst my people. They cage men like Zeus. Sad story. When you raise children in error and in deception, you are preparing them for a life of terror. Because a lot of things will go wrong in that theory. Remember that there's time that the apostles were writing a letter to the Gentiles. That this is what they must abstain for. They must do this. They must do that. And then somebody said, brethren, let us stop. The yoke that God did not place on us. Why are we placing it on these people? Some of us fathers and mothers because of our expectation for our children. Remember the time that fathers used to say, I came first in my class? <laughs> doesn't happen anymore, I know. <laughs> but that's part of where the error and the deception came from. Wanted to set a standard for our children. We've got to ensure that it's not in deception. Number four. The Bible says here, as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even as we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words. As you know, God is a witness. We must understand here that as trustees of God's treasure, we do not please men. We must please God. We are trustees of God's treasures. Don't look at the children and begin to feed them with things that will only minister to their flesh. While we have a responsibility to building confidence in children, we must understand that building confidence must not lead them into pride and thinking everybody else is useless. You know, I want to know, Lee Junior, you're the best, you know. You're the best. Nobody else is like you. Nobody else is good like you. Nobody else. So the Junior feels, my daddy said I'm the best. And nobody else is as good as me. But the problem with Junior is that there's another Junior in the class too. Who also, somebody told him the same. We can all understand that we must raise our children in a way that there is confidence. That even when we build confidence in them, we must not build pride in them at the same time. Because it leads to a case where they cannot be realistic in the assessment of life. Number five, verse seven. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So here is the point. As nursing mothers, we were gentle among you. Our role as fathers is for protection and covering. He said we were gentle among you as a nursing mother. We want to thank God for fathers that understand that we have that role, we have that responsibility of protecting the house. Protecting the house and providing covering for the house. And I need to say this, in protecting the house, is physical and spiritual. Father can't expect, you know, we don't have men in this house who will hear a sound outside in their window and they say, baby, baby, go and check the window. 
<laughs> and somebody outside the door, and they say, I will hold you, I will hold the stick behind you. No, 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 no. We don't have such men here. Your role is protection. You're meant to ensure if something is dangerous in the house, you are the one responsible for fixing it. Something that can harm anyone, it's your duty. Also, spiritually speaking, you are supposed to provide covering for the house. Now, women do a lot of prayer and I find God for them. But so do men. You've got to understand this. And I'm talking about men who might be thinking, because I'm not praying like my wife, my wife does not respect my prayer. Important thing is you must be praying. God is a God of order. The way men think is not the way women think. We know that for other things. So you must know that for prayer too. While we have some men who can pray in a particular way, when you have a man who is not praying as his wife, shouting and expressing themselves, you must not downplay the impact of their prayer over your family. I'm talking to women who are talking down their husbands. I know it's not here. <laughs> Seriously. Because if you don't believe in the prayer of your husband as providing covering, you are belittling his own efforts. It is the role of the fathers to provide covering for the family. And you must not fail in that role. You must understand you have the role. You might be on a sick bed. You must still release prayer. Listen to me. If you will speak as a patriarch, even on your dying bed, God honors your prayer. So you might not be able to run around or shout like some of us can do. But if you will understand it is your duty to protect. You must not fail to provide that role. So, am I excusing the men who are not praying? No, I'm saying to you that when you pray, God will not automatically provide covering just because you are a man. It doesn't happen. The devil is not afraid of your sex, your gender. He's afraid of your prayer. When a man understands his role and he stands in it, the devil knows, oh, my God is awake. So the man provides. He said, as nothing mothers among you, we cared for you. We provide covering over you. So whether the children are with you or they are not with you, they are brought, you never forget to speak into their life and provide covering over their ways. Amen. And then he says this. We were pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. To impart to you our own lives. Fathers do not say, do as I say, only. They say, do as I do. You know, when children are growing up, they put their feet in their father's shoes. Or they begin to put on your jacket. And they are saying they look like you. What they are beginning to sell you is that I'm watching everything you are doing and I will do like you. Part of what God gave you authority to do in the spirit is to be able to impart your life into the people you are raising. He said, for you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Another thing that is here, how the fathers demonstrate their capacities in providing. The father is the provider. We provide through our labor. We labor with our hands that we will not be a burden to any of you. Whether it's spiritual burden or a physical burden, you do not want to be a burden on the children you raise. God said, this is my word for you. And that's what exactly that Paul was speaking about here. Fathers, either they are spiritual fathers, who actually have to be imposed, you know, I'm coming so and so time. Fathers that are making demands, particularly demands you cannot meet. They're not helping. Because then they are being a burden. But watch it. 
Also, natural fathers who are making demands in an area you can't afford. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 14, he says, now for the third time, I'm ready to come to you. I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours. See that? I do not seek yours, but you. Verse 10, your witnesses and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. In other words, fathers must maintain the good name. It's not just enough to say, oh, children, you remember the name, there's some kind of son of the father who you are. We have the responsibility to keep that name, to hand over the button of a thing that is important. That is why this moment, I like to celebrate. I salute all fathers, both present and fathers that have gone to glory. Like Paul the Apostle, that their pain paved the way for our gain. These are fathers that in their modest means, they actually instilled into our lives that godliness and contentment is great gain. Many of these fathers were decreased so that we can increase. Their poverty paved the way for our prosperity. Their broad shoulders were our landing spot so that we can actually take a lifting. I salute fathers whose life actually minister to each one of us a message, an enduring message that cannot be forgotten. They cannot be wiped away with time or death. Such fathers, my dear friends, when you look at them, their work was laced with grace. Their wealth was built upon integrity and duty. Ladies and gentlemen, many of these fathers did not even live long to see the fruit of their work. But the Bible makes it clear to us that they are even standing in the stands of heaven, cheering us on that we will finish well. I pray for you today that you will finish well, that you will live long, that you will eat the fruit of your doings. Celebrate such fathers. Celebrate fathers like you. Fathers that will live long. Fathers that will see the fruit of your labor. I pray for all the fathers here today. You will not just do it, you will be fruitful into every good work in the name of Jesus. I pray from Isaiah 58. In that verse 11, the Bible says, and the Lord will guide you continually. I pray for all the fathers, all the people standing in that row. May the Lord guide you in the right thing to do. May the Lord instruct you in the way to go. In the name of Jesus, I pray that the Lord will satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. The things you put in place, may they not fail in the name of Jesus. I pray that you shall be like a watered garden. Your waters shall not fail. In the mighty name of Jesus, you will be like a spring of water. In the mighty name of Jesus, as you call upon it, it will answer you. The Bible now said in verse 12, it said, and those that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. I pray you will be fruitful there will be those from among you those from your home those from your marriage those from your place you will say this one is from among me in the name of Jesus he said they shall build the old waste places may God give you children that will build the ruins of the house they will build the standard once again they will raise it up unto the standard that the fathers wished in the name of Jesus I pray that God will grant unto you sons that will build the generation the Bible said the foundations of many generations I say that the work your children will do will last from one generation to another generation. I pray that they shall be the restorer of the street, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. I pray for each one of you as you seek God's face and celebrate fathers in this season. May your effort not be in vain. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face so shine upon you. And may you have joy of fathering. May you have joy of being a father in your time and in your season. I pray for every father that is struggling. May the Lord gladden your heart. May the strength of God come unto you. 
I pray that your labor will not be void in the name of Jesus. It is a day of joy, a day of gladness. And I'm glad you are here to celebrate with us. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We do hope you have been blessed. Our special thanks go to all our partners who give generously to support our ministry. You are welcome to be one of us. If you'd like someone to talk to you on any of the issues raised in today's message, please do call us on plus 44 208-597-3110 or you visit our website on www.hccenter.org.uk. May the peace of the Lord guard you and keep you till we meet again.